preaching part three of our series, God Breathe the Holy Bible, is a beautiful, dear, precious friend. It's so good to have Mike and Julia Peace um, worshiping with us today. And Michael is going to come to bring part three of this amazing series, God Breathe the Holy Bible. Would you give a warm grease assembly of God welcome to Michael Peace? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Love you, man. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm going, I have to do something really, really quickly. At least I believe I'll do it really, really quickly. Uh, I, uh, I have to warn you, first of all, that I'm, I'm from New York City, right? So, and I'm from Brooklyn more so. So we talk real fast, and uh, we sometimes take, use more words than we need to. So I'm going to try to speak slow and use less words. Will that work for you? All right. So that means prayer, okay? So you're going to see a miracle. But just the same, I'm going to, I have to do this really quickly. Um, my beautiful wife, Julia, of 31 years, uh, two months and 13 days. We, um, but, what, what, we, we probably should stay down there with a mic. Can we, use, can we stay there for, with the mic? Um, uh, what, uh, we pastor, you can hold on to that one. We, we pastor a ministry our home church is Bethel Christian Fellowship, but we pastor a ministry that has its origin in Bethel Christian Fellowship. It's called Bethel Express, and it is an urban children's outreach ministry, and we basically reach out to every geographic corner of the city of Rochester. We go after, and we're trying not to use this word anymore, but we go after what are called unchurched children. In other words, children who know nothing about Jesus, God, Christianity, or the Bible, know nothing. And, and I've often said this, that they just assume when they, and, and this has happened quite often. In fact, we saw some, some writing yesterday from them, from some of them, that when they come to us, they, some of them even spell Jesus, G-E-E-Z-U-S. Um, but God, by his power and his spirit, has impacted and changed so many of the lives of the children in our ministry. So much so that since 1999, when Julia and I took the helm, uh, we, and all the children who have ever come and have stayed with us, we have a 100% graduation rate of all the kids who graduate from high school. And we know it's the Lord who does it. Now, I, I'm, I, I'm so sure that the Lord has done it, so I'm not even giving you false humility like saying, oh, it's all the Lord. Oh, we know it's the Lord. You know how we know it's the Lord? Because if man could do it, we would be selling this for about 1995 and three easy payments at 2 o'clock in the morning on TV, Right? So we know it has to be the Lord. If I could figure out what we're doing and sell it, I would. No, I would. I'd give it to the Lord's work, okay? But just the same, but just the same um, we know it's the Lord who's doing that. Of those kids, of the 100% who graduate from high school, 98% of them have gone on to some form of higher education. And of that group that have gone on to higher education, 23% of them have gone on to graduate studies. And we're very excited about that one because now they're becoming lawyers and doctors. So whatever happens with the health care plan, well, we have a doctor that's going to take care of us. Uh, and she owes us for free, by the way. And if she has to be reminded, I shall. And, the other, and we have two, a couple of lawyers now also. So if my mouth gets me in trouble, and it probably will someday, because I will always speak up about Jesus, uh, if my mouth gets me in trouble... Uh, we have two lawyers that would take care of us also, and I am not paying a retainer, okay? <laughs> Neither one of us will be paying a retainer. But just the same, at the same time, we've been, uh, the Lord has, has blessed us to the extent that we 
uh, we're able to put, purchase, well, we put down a down payment on a ministry house located on the corner of Bay Street in Niagara, which is one block from the public market, smack dab in the center of that community there for sure. And when we first started to do ministry there in 2012, the first day that we, the, the, the week, let me say this slowly, slow down, Mike. Six days leading up to our first time doing an outreach on that corner, four major violent crimes had taken place literally a stone's throw from where we were, where we are located. And, I, and Pastor Pat was there one day. I know you remember this, but I was talking to him, and I was telling him that I, and I, I was showing him the, the exact spots, and I could have thrown a rocket, hit all four of those spots. Because we were there, and we, as, as the Word of God says, it says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We did that very thing. We declared, and we put up the Lord's tent post, and we declared the work of the Lord, the will of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord to take over and to take charge of that area. And in a very short period of time, and especially relative to our city, in a very short period of time, violent crimes have gone down, had gone down to zero. Prostitution, that was the second largest area in the city of Rochester for prostitution, literally where we were located. Literally. I'm sorry? And out of the house that we were actually, literally, we were renting it at one point, and we, we were renting half of it for, for the Lord's Week. And the other half, a young lady was running prostitution out of the other half. Literally, that was the second largest area in the city for prostitution. And God be praised. Once again, let God arise and his enemies be scattered to the extent that prostitution is now down to zero as well. And so we know, and once again, we know it's the Lord. Because if I could figure out what we're really doing, I probably would mess it up, okay, as the pastor. But just the same, um, we, we wanted to take this, this time and this moment because uh, uh, Greece, Greece Assembly of God was the first and the longest standing and most consistent, and, and most consistent supporter of our ministry ever in the history of our ministry. All those, the lives of those children have been our direct result of your support of our ministry. Those, those, the things that are taking place on that corner, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I may talk about this a little bit later on in my message, but uh, and during the summertime, you will find children on our property just running free, just, just without a care, in the, a care in the world. And most of these children are under the age of 10, unsupervised by, by an adult. Most of them are not even eating. And, and we know this to be a fact. This is nothing new in Rochester. Um, that 92% of all the children in the Rochester City School District School, 92% of them have on a daily basis either a free breakfast and or a free lunch and or are involved in, a, in an after-school program where they will, will receive, uh, well, we would call it a snack, but most people would call it a snack, but it's, but it's a dinner. And 92% of those children are receiving that every day in a Rochester City School District school. Well, this is the summertime we're talking. So they're not getting that free breakfast, that free lunch, that free snack or, or meal at the, end of, at the end of the school day. And so those children are out there, and they're not, they're not eating. And so God is utilizing us to be a part of that so those children will eat, and adults as well. But the, the, point, the point that we want to make is those children are, be, are able to eat because of Greece Assembly of God supporting us. Those, uh, uh, the, the, the lives of those prostitutes have been impacted 
directly as a result of the support that we have received consistently through Greece Assembly of God, Assembly of God Church. The things that we're seeing, the violence that, 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 that's impacted because you have empowered us and you've enabled us and you've enfranchised us to be able to do what needs to be done to impact those lives. That has been done directly as a result of the support that we have received from Greece Assembly of God Church. And so I done talked enough. And so I'm able to stand this long because I got two new knees. So I mean, <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be sitting over here. <laughs> Bethel Express, spiritual strength, social stability, scholastic success. Presented to Greece Assembly of God for empowering us to reach and raise up urban champions in the city of Rochester. To Pastor Pat and Tina and the congregation here, thank you so very much for all you do for the city of Rochester. If you come, we, we want to present this to you. We love you. Thank you. I love you, man. Love you, too. All right. Thank you. Wow. You, you, well, I, I know that was not in the plan, and Pastor Pat did not know I was going to do that, but we've been friends for 30 years now, right? We've been friends for 30 years, so I think I could get away with it now. Um, if, if not, they say it's easier to get forgiveness than to get permission, so glory. The, um, I, I, said, I said those things in the very beginning for, for, for a particular reason, and um, I'm, I'm going to set it up this way. Because, well, actually, I'd like to invite you into our world with the children that, we've, that, we, that the Lord has trusted us with and, um, and that you have been a part of. That, I'm, I'm dating myself, but at this point, I don't care anymore. They say the older you get, the less you care. I'm starting to really not care, okay? Um, <laughs> but just the same, uh, there, was a, there was a television program called, with Art Linkletter. I believe it was in the 50s. Um, kids say the darnest things. And the things that those children would say were just so amazing. I laughed. And I, and, and, and I was, you know, I watched this program in the 60s, so they were already reruns. But just the same... Uh, I have to tell you that, um, well, let me just read a couple of these. These are real conversations. We put this together as a book. It's called B.E. Bites, which means B.E. Sound Bites. And um, these are real conversations that I've had with the children in our ministry, okay? And um, uh, this one here, I'm going to read four, okay? I'll read four. I can read the whole book, all right? But I'll just read four. Uh, uh, this, this, this little girl was eight. She says, Michael Peace, if you grow your hair out, you might look cute. So I said, I don't have to look cute. I'm married. She said, that's not why you're married. So I said, well, what is it then? She said, God felt sorry for you, so he blessed you with Miss Julia. Ain't he good? <laughs> uh, this little boy was seven. He says, Mr. Michael Peace, can I drive your car? So I looked at him, I said, drive? Do you know how hard it is to drive a car? He said, how hard could it be? My mom drives. <laughs> I'm not going to touch some of these, okay? I just let them keep saying what they're saying. Um, this little girl was nine. Mike Peace, my sister's pregnant. So I said, oh, that's great. She said, it's going to be a girl. So I said, well, how do you know? She says, well, she already has a boy. <laughs> Okay, last one. I can read more of these. This last one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, this, young, this young man was 11. He said, Mike Peace, can you teach me how to play drums? 
I said, well, why do you want to play drums? He says, because you look cool when you play. I said, well, that's because I am cool. He said, nah, it's got to be the drums. <laughs> you know, I really don't appreciate your laughing at that one, okay? Okay. <laughs> Just the same. That's the world that, 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 that we enjoy so much. And we, we understand one thing, and, and, and in fact, I, I just noticed that there, there, are at least, there is at least one person from Bethel Express who grew up in our ministry, and he's here this morning. I did not know he, he was going to be here, and so this is totally unrehearsed. So he will know or they will know what to do when I say this. If it's not in the Word, there you go. We teach the kids, we teach the kids. If there is a secret, is we give them the word of God. That's Benjamin Reed. Benjamin, stand up for a moment. He literally grew up in our ministry right there in the inner city. And um, I've, often said, I've often said that, um, uh, that, that until he gets married and has children, I will be the coolest dad. But when he gets married and has kids, he's going to be a really cool dad. And we've talked about this many times. He just knows how to do everything, and he's good at everything. So, but he literally grew up in our ministry right there in the hood of Rochester. But just the same, <clears throat> excuse me, if we have had a secret to us in our S factor, which, which is what we call spiritual strength, and it's auto priority, spiritual strength, social stability, and scholastic success. If we have a secret, if there is a secret, it is the fact that we bring the word in an unadulterated way. If we just bring the word, we all know, already know this. The word is who, the word of God liberates people. The word is the one who changes people. We can be great disciple makers, that's, that's of course. But in fact, you won't ever be a good disciple maker unless, you're, unless what you do is founded on, upon, upon the word of God anyway. So if we have a secret, that's what it is. We say, if it's not in the word, it doesn't count. We have become a, and that was born out of me just getting kind of agitated because it seemed like all of these quote-unquote positive songs were having an impact on our kids. And I'm saying, but then I would show them, oh, yeah, oh, so this is what, you, this is what the song says? You said it's a good song? Well, let me show you what this song really means. And I'll tell them, and they'll be like, wow. Mike, but, so then what should I believe? What should I think? And I'll tell them what the word says. And I tell them, if it's not in the word, it doesn't count. You can have nice, positive sayings, but our society no longer needs, not as if we've ever needed it, our society no longer needs positive statements. We need powerful statements from God's authoritative word. We have people. We have people that, that just say these nice things, and, and, and it seems like almost on a daily basis, we're getting further and further away. But that's... That, that, that makes sense, and I, that, I kind of expect that anyway because that's just how things are, but God is able to, to show, show the world through us what he's able to do in the lives of other people. I, um, I, I read this. I'm going to read this really, really quickly to you. Um, the, uh, the, the George Barner Foundation organization, I don't know, just George, George Barner, um, and I know Pastor Pat has used some of this information, has made reference to them before, I don't know how they do it, but they are 100% on point with everything that they've ever done that I have ever researched uh, in relation to them. And they came out with a study, and they said that the, the, uh, the builder's generation, which are people between the ages of 73 and 91, in other words, if you were born between 1927 and 1945, the, the builder's generation, of them, 65% of them believe that the word of God 
is a legitimate and reputable source for life, reference for life. The baby boomers generation, 1946 through 1965. In other words, if you're between the ages of 53 and 72, 35% of them believe that the word of God is a legitimate source of reference for life. The baby busters generation, between the ages of 35 and 52, between 1966 and 1983, 16% believe that the word of God is a legitimate and reputable source and reference for life. And then the Bridgers generation, that's anyone born since 1984, People ages 34 and under, 4% believe that the word of God, the Bible, is a legitimate source of reference for life or even having any type of relevancy. And one of my dear friends, she preached a message last night, and we heard it online, and um, she says, God does not want us to make him relevant God wants us to, be, to, to, re, to reverence God. He wants us to reverence him, not to make him relevant. It's a, we're in a day and age where it seems like we have to make Jesus a cool thing, or somebody really cool. And, 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 and I always feel a little uneasy. I, I understand what people mean, but I feel a little uneasy when somebody says, oh, this is my pastor, he's cool. You know why? I don't want to be cool, usually because cool means that everybody likes what, what you do, or, or it's kind of like okay and like you're not stuffy or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm not cool. I'm hot on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not cool. I'm not trying to be cool. I know. Every little once in a while with the kids, we do have swag contests, all right? Because we get, we get together on Saturday mornings for breakfast before we have our worship service. So sometimes when the kids do really well in school, we, I, 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 me personally, I like to accentuate that when, especially with the boys when they do well academically because unfortunately in our society, especially in the, in the city, it's not cool to be smart. So I, I make sure that I make a big deal out of them. So when they, bring them over, they come over with, my, with their report card and I read them like, oh, wow, you got A's, B's, oh, wow, you have a 3.75? And I just go, get your swag on. And it's like, okay, my piece. <laughs> okay, so we do have swag. Okay, contests and things like that, but that's on a different level, okay, of cool, all right? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if Jesus necessarily had swag, but, uh, but I think the highest level of swag for Jesus, when he walked on the water, that's swag. That's swag. See, I would have made a horrible Savior and Messiah because my attitude would have been the water, the, wind, the winds and the waves were coming, the tempest were, 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 were blowing, and then they said, you know, Master, the, the tempest is raging. And I'd get up and I'd go, the wind would be, the waves would be coming. I'd be go, yo! And the water would just stop. And I'd go, <laughs> okay. I would have made a horrible savior because my attitude would have been too Brooklyn, okay? I need to come back to Nazareth, right? Anyway, let me, let me, I, 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 let me finish setting this up. The, uh, I've been told so many times, when it comes to me being a stickler about the word of God, but other youth pastors have said, Mike, kids don't want you to preach to them. 
Kids don't want to hear the word every time you get together. And I, and I, and I usually just smile and just let it, let it go by until, until I got to the point where I was saying to myself, you know what, I have to respond to some of this stuff. They said, Mike, the kids don't want to, don't want to be preached at. I'm saying they're being preached at anyway. It's the wrong message that's being preached to them. So do you understand the word preach means to proclaim? I said, they're being preached at. And then some people have said to me, well, Mike, you know, we have to have, you know, like the, the fog machines and, the, and the, the lights and everything. And that's cool, whatever, for, that, for those who have to do that with the census. I, I, I don't believe that God needs all of that to, to save, heal, and deliver. But, but for those who do that, that that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to touch that. But my point is, they were like, some, some people have said this, and actually, remember what I said, that the older I get, the less I care? Sometimes I say things, and I don't realize that I'm saying it too loud, or, or saying, well, let me tell you what happened. I was in a, in a seminar with some people who work with kids and teens and everything, and he was saying all these things that he had to do, and he was doing, and he was drawing large crowds of kids and, 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 and adults, and I was like, the first thing is, and I'll say this really quickly, hopefully, I, I, hopefully this doesn't come off the wrong way, but, you know, God is not really looking for big ministries. God is looking for people who can minister big. We know that to be a fact. We know this. We know this biblically. We know this because uh, uh, we know that what, what we call the inner three or inner circle were Peter, James, and John. They were the closest to Jesus, okay, All, but they were three of the 12. We know that. And then we also know that um, Jesus sent out 70 sets of twos, 35 sets of twos, 70. We know that. We know the day of Pentecost, we had, he had 120. So it's kind of like, and then we know when Jesus came back, 500 came. What well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says that he was seen by over 500 people. But they were not really his congregation. They came because they wanted to see what was going on. So it's the, the highest number we could go is 120 on the day of Pentecost. And you know what's interesting? If Jesus walked around today and, and they found out that he, had, he has only 120 people, they say, oh, oh, so he's the Messiah. Oh, he has his 120 people? Oh, so he's, the, he's going to be the Savior of the world, 120 people? How, how good could his ministry be if all he's attracting is 120 people? The issue wasn't whether or not he could draw large crowds Every Sunday or whenever he spoke to, to, to validate him, it was the power that was working through those people when they went forth. The reason why we are able to live for Jesus in 2018 was not because Jesus had a big ministry, but because Jesus ministered big to the people who embraced the good news of, his, of, 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 of the good news of the gospel. That's the reason why this happened. And so we, we, we have all these things. And so I'm at this seminar and we're talking and, and I'm listening and finally, he says, hey, brother, we have to do this kind of stuff. He says, because we're competing against the world. And then I messed up. I thought I was saying it under my breath. But everybody heard me. When he said, hey, brother, you know, and he was talking to somebody else in the, in the teaching. He says, we have to do this to compete with the world. I said, well, I hope Jesus wins. We have to do that to compete with the world. Why not the unadulterated word of God with sound doctrine in context? Just the saying, I'm, I'm going to move on. The, um, yeah, I better, I better not. Let me just, if you're, 
well, let's, let's go into the Word of God. I'm, I'm trying to stay focused because there's so much I want to say, and if I keep talking, I'll get off track. If we could go to our, our scripture reference of um, 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 18, I know, excuse me, verse 16, I know that we've, um, I'm reading King James Version, but uh, uh, if you like, you can put up NIV because, uh, it, 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 of course, it would communicate the same message. It says here, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or mature or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I'm reading King James Version, but in, in, uh, in NIV it says, uh, for, all, for God breathed the word of God. God breathed. And when you think about this, and, and I've, I've, I've given a lot of, when I got together with, with Pastor Pat, and when we get together, okay, you get two preachers together, we can go. We can really go at it. And it was good, too. It's always good when, I'm, when, we're, when we're together. And we were talking, and I was saying that I, I was saying we have gotten so far from the word of God that when someone is speaking the word of God, some people are, not, are having difficulty even recognizing that it's the word of God. And then, of course, it sounds even more foreign to people who don't know anything about the word of God. But God, was, God is very intentional about everything. He's intentional about everything, of course, in his word. And so when it says that uh, all scripture is, is, is uh, God-breathed or given by inspiration of God and is profitable... The, the operative word is, is profitable. It's profitable for instruction. Excuse me, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh-oh, there goes the R word. In righteousness. That's the reason why we have people today saying things like, well, brother, you shouldn't judge. Then, then how am I supposed to make a determination as to whether or not you're on point? I had, I, there was a young man that I, I, he was not in our ministry, but I, I've, I saw him grow up in our church. And um, I was with one of the young men in our, in our group in our ministry. And we were sitting there and they were talking, we were t- talking at breakfast. And he said, he says, oh yeah, Mike, so-and-so with that group, you know, he says, he's a, he's a, he's a weed head Christian. And, and I'm sitting there, and he's, well, he's a weed head Christian, almost as if it was acceptable. That wasn't where he was heading, but that's what he said. The other one said, you shouldn't judge. And I'm sitting there, since when is smoking weed and bringing the word of God something that's acceptable to God? And I'm looking. He said, you shouldn't judge. Really? If I took that same scenario and made him a surgeon, and he got, gets high before he's supposed to cut you open, you shouldn't judge. He'd be the first one. Hold up, doctor. Uh, hold up. Hold up. Take this thing off my head. Um, No. You, me no tink so, man. That would be the first thing, right? But he says, you shouldn't judge. Isn't that amazing? When it becomes personal, when it becomes internalized, all of a sudden, it changes. When it's everything else to everyone else, no big deal. You see how important that is for us to be so, for us to adhere and to hold on so greatly to the word of God that it gives us the, conviction, give us the convictions? Well, here we go. If you're taking notes... Uh, you can write this down vertically. B-R-E-A-T-H-E-D. Breathed. Breathed. B-R-E-A-T-H-E-D. 
The first one is this. The first one is this. The B is God breathed so we could be, be bold. So we would be bold for him. I'm going to read this to you, and I'll just read it really quickly. First Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me. First Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. It says, finally, be, be, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Uh, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, nor countrywise blessing. I mean, excuse me, but countrywise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye you should also inherit a blessing. Verse 10. For if he, <clears throat> excuse me, for if he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they shall speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Here it comes. Perfect example of, of, of boldness. Peter says, and who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. He said, he says, who is he that will harm you? If you be doers of that which is good. If that's not boldness, I don't know what is. Boldness by definition means, uh, boldness by definition means strong acts of conviction. Strong acts of conviction. And so he's saying, who's going to harm you if you're doers of that which is good? God's word gives us the boldness that we need. As he has breathed his word for our sake, God's word gives us the boldness to stand up for him. The R is this. For us to live for us to live a righteous life, a righteous life. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 9 and 10. I know this one by heart. It says, how will, how, will, how will a man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart. What that simply means, I know you know this just for the sake of conversation with family, is I have memorized these scriptures so when I'm faced with the situation, the word of God is my reference for me to live right, a righteous life. The word righteous means to be in right standing or to be in good standing with God. People say, Mike, please, nobody's perfect. I say, I know. Starting with me, I know no one's perfect. That's why I need God's word. That's why I need Jesus. A pastor of a, of a church in the city of Rochester, and, and we, are, we have a very good relationship, and I had heard of his reputation and the things that he's doing in the city of Rochester with his, with his church. Great things are happening. And so uh, he, uh, uh, two young ladies that grew up in our ministry attend his church. So they were talking to him about me. So he asked if we would meet. So we finally got a chance to meet and everything. And so we had a great time of talking and fellowship. When we got to the end, he says, he says Brother Peace, can you, can you tell me, you being a seasoned uh, pastor, tell me what I need to do and be. Uh, give me any advice about my church for me as a younger pastor. Can you give me an advice? I said, yeah. I said, make sure your focus is holiness, godliness, and righteousness. And, and he looked at me like he couldn't believe it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's it. I said, because the world has a form of godliness sometimes, but they deny the power they're in. I said, what happens when we have true godliness according to God's authoritative word? I said, how about living holy? How about, I said, you know what, I said, let me tell you what, what is meant by living holy. Living holy is living your life where no one can really have any question marks after they say your name. That's holiness. 
Well, people are not saying, well, why is he doing that? And then I said, righteousness? I said, well, you take care of holiness and righteousness. I mean, take care of holiness and godliness. I said, once, once you get to the point of, once you get, a, get to the point of people watching your life, they will see that you're in good standing with the Lord. I said, I said it's amazing. And I said to him, I said, work, be very diligent to not just be the cool and hip church around, around town. I said, because you're going to get cool, hip people that won't make reference to the word when you have to tell them that some of the things that they're doing and saying are not right. I said, you have to make disciples and make righteousness, holiness, and godliness your, your focus. The E is this, eager, eager. And uh, uh, the, um, uh, Titus chapter 11, verse 11 through 14. I'm going to, I, I know these ver- some of these verses by heart, so uh, we, I won't read all of them because some of them I, mem- I have memorized. But the Bible says that we are to, to, to seek God and pursue God and be zealous of good works. Another word for zealous is eager, that, they, that we want to do good works. Our works do not get us into heaven. We're going to heaven anyway. We do good works so other people can see how good God is and how good heaven will be. That's, that's the thing that's important. And so uh, uh, they're zealous to do good works. There are three, there, there's a family of, of kids, three kids, and uh, Benjamin, I know you know who, I, who they are as I talk, uh, and, and Julia, of course. They're three kids. They actually live less than 100 yards from our house where we live, okay? Right, you know, right there in the, the Bay Street area. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're so cute. What they're trying to do is they're trying to be a blessing to Julia and I, but they're trying to do it where the left hand does not let the right hand know what's going on, as the Word of God says. And so they learn these things from us, and then they've learned it from, you know, their, their parents getting saved, and they're going to a, 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 a Spanish-speaking church. And so they're learning these things, and so they are so zealous. I love it. And so one morning, one mid-morning, I, um, I'm hearing, like, you know, scratching sounds, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And I realize it's a shovel. And then I hear, like, two shovels, and I'm like, who's shoveling? It's so loud. Who's shoveling? So I open up the door. And, 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 they, and they, go, they go, oh, pastor, we were trying to surprise you. We were trying to do it on the low. And I was like, well, y'all are kind of loud if you want to do it on the low. <laughs> you know, like, you know, <laughs> if you want to surprise me, start by not being so loud at 8 in the morning, <laughs> you know. But, but they are zealous to do good works. And just fact, in fact, this past week, same thing was happening. In, in the middle of the week, I can hear these sounds, and I'm saying, what's going on? What's, who's the sound? I open up the door and they go, oh, pastor, oh, we were trying to surprise you. And they were cutting my grass. Um, you probably blew it like with the lawnmower part, you know. But <laughs> um, by the way, let me go because I, if you haven't noticed, you've already heard me make reference to myself uh, all the way through this. I have a philosophy when it comes to bringing the word of God. If you're not living it, you should not be giving it. And so, the, if, so for me, it's my heart's desire then to rather for me to say, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you not really know if I'm doing it. I, that's why I give you personal experiences, okay? And that's the reason why I, I'm doing that. Just the same, um, the A. The A is that we, be, we will be alive unto Christ or alive unto God. And I, I, that's Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read this. Romans chapter 6, and it says this. Romans chapter 6, verse 11, well, verse 10, it says, For in him he died, for in him that he, for in that he died, speaking of Jesus, of course, he died unto sin 
once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. The word brings life. We know that. God breathed his word so that we could have life unto him. There's, there's a gentleman, and I'm, I'm going to use his name. I, 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 and I, I, I brought the word last week at, at my, my home church, and I told them in the introduction that uh, uh, I, I date myself with some of these television programs. Some of you remember the program uh, Dragnet? Dun, 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 dun. They, the names, you know, what do they say? The story that you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, right? In, the, in an age of social media, it's kind of like I change names a lot so I don't end up in the courtroom, all right? So people say, Mike, why did you use my name? But you glorify the Lord. But I didn't give you permission. So I, but this one here, this is, my, this is my brother. I love him so much. His name is Ed McMaster. Some of you may have seen him on television and in the, in the news because I've, I've seen him in newspapers. Um, they call him Tattoo Ed. And uh, 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 he, was, he, uh, he was in Vietnam, and he, he will tell you this. And some of you may even know who are, of whom I speak. Um, and he, um, he was a, a serious, hardcore drug addict and everything. He, he was miraculously saved. And so what Ed has done is, for the remainder of his life, he has dedicated his life to making sure that without a doubt, Jesus is Lord of my life, speaking of himself, of my life. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it because if you tell me to shut up, you're going to look at my bald head and it has scriptures and everything all over his head and his face. And people call him Tattoo Ed. We, we don't call him Tattoo Ed. We call him, we call him by his full, Ed McMaster. And the, thing that, the reason I'm using Ed is because when you listen to him speak about what his life was like ahead of time and what he has become, to me personally, he is the most alive unto Christ person that I know. You cannot keep him quiet when it comes to sharing the gospel. You cannot keep him quiet when it comes to the things that need to be heard. And he loves people so much. If you saw him, you might initially, you know, feel a little uncomfortable and you hug him and it's all over. It's all over. He's an amazing man of God. Amazing. In the city of Rochester, amazing man of God. And he ministers to men only who have been in prison. And God utilizes him to make real men of God and real disciples. But he's so alive unto Christ that it's just hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore him and his message. But God breathed his word so it would be alive in him to do that. Here we go. The, the T is for us to tune into God. For us to tune into God. That's uh, uh, Psalm 25, Psalm 25, 4. Psalm 25, 4 says this. Okay, Psalm 25, 4 says this. It says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On On thee do I wait all the day. He's saying, teach me your ways. The thing about it is, I, I've been asked this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be a good boy with this one, but every little once in a while, someone will say to me, especially a young person, and well, the older I get, the younger everybody else becomes, so this young lady was in her mid-20s, and I, she was reciting the words to a song or something like that, and I was like, oh, that's cute. And she said, oh, it's obvious that you have a problem with this song, Mike Peace." 
I'm like, well, yeah. She's, and then she said, well, she's a, she's a Christian. I'm like, and so I said, so? What does that have to do with her singing that song? She said, well, how do you know God did not give her that song? I said, because God does not give us lyrics to words that are in opposition to his authoritative word. That's how I know God did not give her the song. But how would we know that unless we were in tune with God's word, in tune with God's voice? How would we know? So people can say all of those nice things. But once again, God breathed for us to be his words, for us to be in tune with him, for him to teach us his ways. So I know what God thinks for the most part. At least I can tell some of the obvious things. I don't have to be a, a scholar to figure out some of the obvious things. Even when the, religious belief, even, even when the religious leaders approached Jesus, when he was doing miracles, and Jesus had to respond to them because they said he had, they said, the exact words were he had bills above, right? And he responded and he says, a house divided cannot stand. He was letting them know, why, if I'm serving Satan, why is Satan using me to heal people in the name of my holy and righteous father? But if you're not in tune with the word of God, even people could approach you and talk to you about these kinds of things. And, well, I guess they make sense. Not, not at all. Keep going, Mike Peace. H, God breathed his words so we can H, have hope in God. So we can have hope in God. Uh, Psalm 119, Psalm 119, uh, verse uh, 181. Oh, there's so many one I want to read on this one, but... I'll just keep it at that. With Psalm 119, verse 181. And it says, no, it doesn't go to 81. It doesn't go to 81. What am I reading? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Um, Psalm 130. Go to Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verse 5. Psalm 130, verse 5. Psalm 130, verse 5 says this. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. And in his word I do hope. The word hope, according to the word of God, is confident expectation. I have, I have a lot of fun with, with the kids in our ministry, uh, but I, I'm going to tell two stories really fast. There's, one young, there's, there's a young lady in our ministry. She grew up in our ministry. Her name is Carolyn. She grew up in our ministry, and she's one of our, one of our leaders. In fact, she's Ben's, Ben's sister. And she was speaking to a gentleman who had basically asked her, so what's the big deal with Bethel Express and the services and you, what you guys do? And he, he wasn't necessarily saying it in a, in a negative way, but it, there was a little bit of a sharpness to it. And she says, well, she says, everyone who has ever come to Bethel Express for a service has gotten healed. He says, everybody? She says, yeah, 100%. Anybody who has ever come that needed a healing they heard what we do in our service. But mind you, these are children now. These are children, okay? Uh, they've all gotten here. He said, so if I bring my wife, he said, my wife is having some complications. If I bring my wife, my wife is going to get healed? She says, bring her. He never did, but he said, she said, bring her. Bring her. Her hope is in God. It's kind of like, you know, say, well, let's see what the Lord does. I hope he does. Well, it's not as if God does not want to. Whether or not he does this, that's not our responsibility as much as us trusting God and putting our hope in him. The Bible says some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we would trust in the name of the Lord. Our hope is in God. God has given us enough of his word for us to be able to hold, hold on to that and to know that he will come through. My nephew, 
my nephew, he was going to, there had been a, a killing in, in, off of Joseph Avenue. And my nephew knew the young man who had been, who had been killed. And so uh, that night, well, we had, a, we had a, a special service, just some of, the, some of the kids who had grown up and they had become adults. We were having a service. And he says, Uncle Mike, he says, pray for me because um, I'm going to go over to so-and-so street off of Joseph because the kid that got killed, he said, I, we went to school together and everything. So I said, sure, I'll pray for you. And so uh, some of the other young people that were around, they said, well, where are you going? What's, what's going on? So he says, I'm going to go over to so-and-so street, and I'm going to just stand and see what the Lord does. And one of the young ladies said, she said do you think that's going to work? He said, well, Uncle Mike, pre- uh, Uncle Mike prayed for me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 what he was saying was, his hope was in the fact that we prayed and that God is able to do something so God can do something. That's, that, that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. His hope, his confident expectation. Well, as it turns out, he went and he, stand, he stood on the street corner and just stood around. And then uh, uh, four or five of the others had gone, well, four went with him, so that made five of them. They were there and they just started to just worship. Without any music, they just started to worship. And they drew a crowd. He told me, he said, Uncle Mike, 33 people showed up on the corner and asked, asked us what we were doing. And he says, there we were, 22 degrees outside, with, right in front of the, the snow with the blood that was shed. And there we were, worshiping God. 20 degrees, well, 20 degrees uh, cold outside. We were worshiping God. People started asking us. He says, Uncle Mike, we got there at 9.30. We didn't leave until after midnight. People wanted to pray, wanted us to pray for them. His hope was in God. His hope was in God. The E. The E is that we, God breathed his word so we would E. We would elevate in him. We would elevate in him. Go higher. Second Peter. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning, well, I'll read all of it. 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as is his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4. Whereby are, we given, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Here it comes. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue, knowledge. And to your knowledge, temperance. And to, your, and to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. And to charity, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall, not, you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any clearer than that. This is how we elevate. Through God's word, we elevate. We come up higher. We, we become more what God wants us to do and be the more we ingest the word of God. And the D is this. God breathed his word so we would D, that we would depend on his reputation. We would depend on his impeccable reputation. Psalm, Psalm 86.1. Oh, this is good. Well, all of God's word is good, but this is a good one. Psalm 86, Psalm 86, one says this. 
Psalm 86 1 says, Am I looking at the right thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Psalm 86 1. Bow thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou, my God, save, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful to me, be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the, so- rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou art good, for thou, for thou Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. When David was praying this, he was saying, Lord, if I just depend on you, everything will work out. Even if it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, I'm going to be okay because I'm depending on you. Whenever, as, as painful as it is, whenever I do a funeral, in fact, this past, this past March, I, I, I did a funeral for, for my brother, my younger brother. And, and everybody looked at me and was saying things afterwards. And, and I did not know all of the people that, that um, because my brother was married, and I did not know all the people that were in my brother's world. But people were saying, hey, man, how were you able to do that? Like, you buried your brother. You, you used to always tell people that your brother was your hero and all this other kind of stuff. How were you able to do that? I said, well, I depend, on, I depend on God. I depend on God's reputation. The scriptures that I, would read, that I read to the, to, the, to the people, I wanted them to understand, we depend on God. God will see us through. Some people say, well, Jesus is a crutch. I'm like, as jacked up as life can get, I need a crutch. You caught that, right? Let me, read, let me read this last. I'd like to read this other scripture to you because I think it would make, it would make as much sense as I needed to, to make with this. It says here in Isaiah chapter 47, Isaiah chapter 47, I call this God's uh, bragging chapter, right? Um, no, <clears throat> excuse me, Isaiah 48. It says here, uh, oh, who should I start? Because I'm, I'm going to try not to pre- preach all this. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, okay. I have, I have verse 5. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 5. I'm trying not to go too far back. I, I want to keep the context, but if I go too far back, I'm going to start preaching more, and, and I, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm taming my tongue. It says, I have even, I have even from the beginning declared... Uh, it to declared it, declared it to thee before it came to pass. I showed, I showed it thee, lest thou should say, mine idol hath done them, and my graven images and my molden image hath commanded them. Thou hast heard, thou hast heard. See all this. Thou hast heard. See all this, and will, and will not, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from the time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They are created now, and not. Behold, I knew them. Yea, thou heardest not, thou, thou heardest not ye. I'm doing my other this. Thou knewest not, yea, from that time that thine ear was not open, for I knew that thou wouldest very, deal very treacherously and was, was called a transgressor from the womb. For my name's sake will I, de, 
will I defer anger, and for my praise, and for my praise will I refrain for thee, that I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even my own sake, will I do it. For, that, for how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another. The point that, 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 that God was making here was that I have proven what I can do, and I'm not going to share my glory with anybody else. No one else gets any credit for anything. God has an impeccable reputation for doing what he said he's able to do according to his word. The, I, I was speaking with someone. We were having a, a meeting. I was with the committee, and it, all, it was all godly people. And someone said, Mike, there's God and then there's reality. And I looked at that person and I said, God is my reality. God is my reality. I said, you need to be careful when you speak like that. Another person said, when we were making some decisions, they said, is it realistic for us to believe that this can happen? And so, and, and so often I, I have to tame my tongue because I don't want anybody to feel bad. But sometimes I have to say certain things like, um, is it realistic? You mean with our, with our finite minds? No, it's not. In God, most definitely. God breathed his word for us to depend upon his reputation. God breathed his word for us to have a reference that's impeccable and infallible, and by the way, inerrant as well. We're in a day and age, and I was so honored. I was so honored when, when, when Pastor Pat asked me because I said, it's so important for us to be sticklers about the word of God today because so many things are coming across the airwaves. So many things are coming across our computers digitally. And none of them are founded upon God's authoritative word. And people are trying to figure out why are things the way that they are. Well, what do you expect? I was on a television program, and I said this last week at our church as well. I was on a television program, uh, a local television program, and they had these, uh, they, all these gentlemen were authorities in what they were talking about, and, and intellectuals and everything. And then, and, and, and I don't have any trouble being academic. That's, that's fine for me. I, I can be academic as well. But when we're talking about serious problems in our city, eh, the scholars are not doing so great. And so I'm being a man of God. I'm on the program. And so, so they, asked me, they asked me questions. I'm a part of the discussion. And you could tell by my responses that they had difficulty with the things that I was saying. And, the, and it took everything in me. This is not pride. I'm saying this, please... I, I, I don't, I, I want people to say Michael Peace and then not spit afterwards because of, of me being a bad reputation or, or me not being a, a, a godly person. I will not compromise God's word. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just, just the simplicity of sharing the good things of God and, and, and God's perspective. Well, in any event, they, they went through the, uh, the, they finally asked a question. They said, put in order. They asked all of us to put in order what, uh, what we thought was, was, was that the things that we believe are at the root of the urban plight of Rochester. The other four, all of theirs were pretty much in the same order. Mine was all over the place. Nothing like that. And they, once again, they just looked at me like they couldn't believe that, oh, there he goes again kind of a thing. When the camera was off and the program was over, someone brought up a point 
about some, things, some of the things that are going on in the city of Rochester. And then I said the same exact sequence that I had given them before. And I showed them the sequence. And they all looked at each other like they couldn't believe it. And I stood there saying to myself, I'm so glad that I have God's word to be the source of me being able to sit at anyone's table, whether it's in an academic setting or a spiritual setting, because God has breathed his word for us to be able to have the kind of confidence that we need to declare his goodness. And so, Father, we thank you so much that you breathed your word and you gave us your word. And, Father, we know one thing for sure. All we have to do is to hold firm to your sound doctrine. We know that your words, thus your word, is infallible, inerrant, and no one can, no one can stand a, stand a, stands a chance against that. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your word that causes us to be what you want us to be and to do what you've called us to be. And so, Father, we purpose in our heart this day that we will continue to make reference and live upon, live according to your authoritative word in context. And Father, since we know that you have nothing but good in store for us, we count these things done even now in the precious, powerful, royal, holy, unmatchable prayer answering name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.